Good morning, good evening, welcome or welcome back. Well, with all the new technology emerging and insurers thirsty for knowledge, there's a growing need for someone to help figure out how to join it all together. Well, I'm Matthew Grant, but Robert Mertens is your host today, talking to Darren Rudd from CGI. Now, you're going to hear about Darren's personal experience, and he's a regular attendee at our own Instech Lab events, and also one of the people we seek out to get his opinion on what's happening in the world around us. So I'm sure you're going to find a lot of value in this one. I've got Darren Rudd with me. He's the head of business and technology consulting at CGI in the UK. Hi, Darren. Hey, Robin. Nice to be here, Robin. Now, you and I have known each other a long time, and you're now a, a consultant, but I've never seen you as a, like a stereotypical consultant. What's your background? What's got you to this point? So I started from a marketing background. I think it actually gave me a slightly different perspective on things because you're trained to understand the motivation of another person rather than looking at what you want out of that interaction or that marketing or sale. I've worked for the last first half of the career as for people like Hiscox and Britt. I also spent some time in Standard when they were first doing the bootstrap as their chief architect. And then I've swept over probably for the last half of the career as a consultant. And I think the advantage on that one is I've come from industry and applied and got a much wider view of consultants do and the different companies they work for. And I think that's given me a good opportunity to see a lot of change, but probably not quite as much change as I've liked over the last 30 years of working in the industry. Is that change a change because of the different perspectives you've seen or is it real change because i slightly challenge that number two i'm already arguing with you but has there been that much change there'll be plenty of people who look been around the industry for 20 years it hasn't changed much what do you say to that it's a good challenge and actually i was talking to a cio of an organization who asked me the same question actually he was pretty belligerent that we haven't changed i think some of it depends on where you go looking for the change so if i look back about 10 years ago probably Insurers would have gone nowhere near cloud. I mean, cloud was they maybe of trying it for a test environment, but it was seen as a sort of quite a dirty, dangerous word. Whereas now I don't think I've worked on a project in the last five, six years that hasn't been cloud first. But I think change has been fairly sluggish in the center. So where the big revenues are, the big volumes are, I think I've probably seen more operational efficiency improvement than anything I'd really class as sort of significant change. It's just more of the same, but better. I think where I have seen a difference, and particularly sort of in insure tech environments, there's been a big change in the attitude to change over the last few years, that desire to actually make a change. But it's probably more at the edges rather than at the centre at the moment is where I see that beginning to move in terms of attitude. I think that's fair analysis. My own observation would be, yeah, we, this is why we, we keep using this digital lipstick on a legacy pig type thing, that it's been to take what we had now and make marginal improvements on it. Why do you think this is so difficult? The reality of it is transformation is actually really hard if we talk about real transformational change. And I think as an insurance industry, and I've been involved in you know, multiple programs over the years, we tend to make it harder on ourselves because we focus on grand gestures, large scale change. We want to change everything, everywhere, all at once and make this huge change in terms of everything that we do. And that's actually really hard. I think we're likely to see more change. And this is why the insure tech industry interests me so much. I think going small and going faster is going to deliver more value, breaking it up. And I talk a lot about the whole Lego brick concept of breaking it up into smaller chunks is where we're going to see that change. And I think it was interesting you put a post out the other day about some of the fragmentation around the trading exchanges and the fact that we've now got Marsh looking at white space. 
that fragmented solution, finding the things that are going to work for a particular use case and be best fitted for that, I think is the route that we're going to go. And I take it back a little bit to what we had a few years ago was when you needed a database, you'd have one thing, which would be a SQL or Oracle big thing, and that needed to do everything. Whereas now you can go to Amazon, AWS, and you'll get 50 different types of databases that are designed to do a particular job because the technology is better, it's quicker, it's cheaper. And I think maybe that's the way we've got to start thinking about things in the industry in that you know you don't need the big grand scheme. You need big grand idea of where you want to go, but I think we can break it up into smaller bits. I agree. And thank you for the plug article. I know I'm defending my own territory here, but I do feel like the insurtech scene has been a force for good. You know, that the, the industry is starting to acknowledge that it's not great at some of these things and has a, has embraced external influences coming from the insurtech startup world. Is that a fair observation? Yeah, I think it is. On one side of it, definitely. That's where I've seen a lot of the desire for change and the attitude to change. I have seen, and again, not to plug you again on one of the podcasts, but I was listening to the one from the Chaucer team yesterday, actually, where there are people out there who understand as well that they can leverage the engagement with the insure tech community to actually help them drive that change. So you need that attitude on both sides. I don't think it's necessarily everywhere. And there's a really good book by Tom Goodwin called Digital Darwinism. Anybody wants a good read in terms of why transformation is hard and why actually it's hard for the incumbent organisations to move fast and make that change. It's a really good book to read. And I think you know, the market needs to be willing to take some smaller bets, and maybe spread bet in the way they're starting to do with the insure techs rather than just placing big bets on single large transformation. But there is a flip side to that as well, though, Robin, in that we can quite easily fall into the trap of wanting technology to solve everything. It's nice and comforting, the idea that you know all of the problems we've had over all of the years, all of the people issues, the process, the data challenges, all the rest of it are going to be solved by some magic technology. And it isn't like that. People get in the way. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that people are important to the process as well. And as technologies, we can often become sort of enamoured with technology is going to fix it all. And we underestimate that human side. Great anecdote from Kurt Vonnegut, really, and was a famous American author. And his wife called him out one day and said, why are you going to the shop again to buy an envelope? You're rich. You could buy hundreds of envelopes and never leave. And he said, well, I actually like the process of going and buying an envelope. I like to walk to the shop, meet the people in the street, listen to the birds. And he described it as people like to move and dance, which is a bit poetic probably for us in the insurance industry. I think we need to remember that people do want to move and dance. And Sometimes when we talk digital and technology and data, we forget that human side of it is really important. We've missed a trick at InsurTech. We should have a, in an InsTech disco or something. Some, you know, People like to move and dance. We are not giving enough opportunity to our people to exercise their spiritual freedom. You actually said you were going to dance at one of the InsurTech Insight sessions. So, Oh, well, I'd hope you'd forgotten that. Yeah, no, I managed to get away with that one. Look, you mentioned data. I want to talk about data because I've often made this observation that insurance is just about moving data and money and that we're, we struggle a little bit with both. Is our inability to tackle the data issue the biggest part of the problem? We've got all this legacy technology. We really struggle to move data around efficiently. Where do you see that in the great sort of list of, of obstacles to be faced down? What we don't do enough of is we, we don't actually think about who we're trying to solve the problem for. So yes, data is an issue in terms of how we move it through the business. But I think we may be too focused a little bit on our own internal bubble here. And we're not thinking 
further upstream enough. Sort of an anecdote I thought about when I look at the why we're here, where we're here. Years ago, early days, building a new extranet. We spent lots of time talking to the underwriters. We early days of the web, so we we're going to use all this clever tech to answer questions better so the brokers didn't need to fill in so many details. And the underwriters would then have it all in a nice structured way. You know, it was still manual underwriting, so it meant they didn't get an immediate response, but it meant they got a slightly quicker response. What we ended up with was the brokers looked at it, and that's all very nice, but I'm still going to send you the proposal form that the insureds filled in over fax. And that sort of tells you how long ago it was as well, because we hadn't really thought about who we were solving the problem for. We'd picked the wrong person. And I think when we look at the data problem, I'm convinced we're looking in the wrong place. We're almost thinking, well, I've got this document I need to extract all the data out of when I should be looking at further up the chain. Why am I receiving the information in a document in the first place? So let's take it all the way back up to the clients and the customers and how can we help them do that work? So I think it's important that we sort of ask ourselves, what's that problem we're trying to solve and who for? Fair call. And then with data, I look at it in two ways. I look at it, the existing data that we have and how we moved around better. And then I look increasingly at how technology is creating new sources of data and new opportunities to use that data to run our businesses more efficiently. Have you a view on that? How's the industry doing? I feel slightly like there's a historical perspective on this. This is what's worked in the past and we work without this kind of stuff. So we're okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've had conversations like that. I think part of it comes back to that idea that transformation is hard. So to ask people to really rethink through pricing and potentially sort of the whole value proposition that insurers add back in. I remember having a conversation with a marine underwriter when we were looking at the data you can now get off of ships. And he went, well, why do I want to price the ship individually? It moves around. I just meet ship owners once a year and we talk about where they go, what they do, and that will be roughly okay. Why do I want to look at the risk every day? So there's that attitude in terms of he couldn't see the benefit. But when you look at IoT and the data that we can now get out and extract it, I think it does add lots of value both to our customers and they're going to do this anyway. They are going to IoT enable their business because it adds value to them, but they don't see the value of that to the insurance industry. I mean, at CGI, we work with in manufacturing, logistics, and they're doing loads of IoT that we help them with. But insurance just isn't even on their radar. They're not even thinking about how they could leverage that data to solve their own insurance problems. And we're not going to change the pricing models and approach until we look harder at outside our bubble and make more of that and use that data better. But that's quite hard switching to allow that data then to flow through. I think people like Archipelago, again, another one of the podcasts I thought was really good, but I think they're a good example now of how they're starting to rethink, let's solve the problem up the chain, get the data there, and then that will flow more easily back through and actually then start to change the way we think about pricing and rating. I mean, having an intermediated market is slightly part of that problem, isn't it? You know, it severs the ability to get a direct link between the carrier and the original source of the data. That makes it in our industry a little bit more difficult than it does do in other industries, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And again, I think this is why sometimes you've got to reframe the thinking about what's the purpose of insurance or the insurer or the broker. What's their job? If I look at IoT and smart buildings, for example, and I did lots of work on there with one of the big reinsurers, and we spent a year looking at the data thousands of data points coming out of you know hundreds of buildings. The conclusion was actually that the first big value proposition that you can do with that is energy savings for the owner of the building. Now, that's not the insurer's role, but there's a huge value. And then you've got options to benchmark and other things. So you've got to sort of rethink your position and say, well, I can do more for that customer 
and I've got to come out of my traditional role to do it differently. I know a lot of brokers look at how they add value back to the clients, but maybe they've got to start rethinking their position as well. Because if we don't do it as an industry, there's going to be someone else who will go in and solve that problem and then start to control access to that data. And I think when I've talked to clients before, you've seen it with BMW and Tesla, where they've started to say, well, I control the data. I've got access to that. I understand the risk better than anybody. So if you're not playing in that space where that data is produced, someone else will ultimately start to control that because there's value in that data once they've got it. I feel mean now because what I'm going to do is make you an ambassador on behalf of all consultants. I can't get a consultant on and not mention the book that Mariana Masakuta wrote called The Big Con, How the Consulting Industry Weakens Our Businesses, Infantilizes Our Government and Warps Our Economies. I mean, Wow, it's quite hard-hitting stuff. And it was all over The Economist and got a lot of press coverage, mostly about the government, but also about industry. Has she got a point, half of all consultants? What's your defence? Yeah, we'll take your watch and tell you the time. Yeah, I mean, I did read the articles that came out in The Economist. And I've got to admit, to a lesser or greater extent, I agree with a lot of what was said. Now, I can't sit here and act as the spokesperson for all consultants, and I'm not sure they'd want me to. But I think... Probably two sides to that position. First, I'd also say that consultancy is quite a wide term and it covers a lot of different organisations. It's one of those sort of catch-all terms. And I think the first thing probably to look at is it comes down to how consultancies are driven. So, and what you as the buyer of those consultancy services are, are asking for. So is the consultancy someone who comes in and solves problems and builds stuff? Is it that they're looking to sell very efficient pre-packaged solutions to your problems that you want to buy? They're designed to sort of put bums on seats, and that's what they're looking for. And I suppose I've been quite selective about where I've been willing to work. And one of the reasons I've stuck around with CGI is I think there's a bit of a difference. So weirdly, CGI was set up in the 70s by Serge Godin in his garage. It's got the sort of the good early startup sort of mentality. We're still privately owned by Serge as well, so we're slightly different. But one of the great stories he told, and this attitude is sort of intrinsically built into we have three stakeholders, our customers, our members, we're not staff, we're members, so we're all shareholders, and then our stakeholders. He'd done a deal with a vendor, he'd helped a customer select this package, and the vendor at the back said, great, okay, well, here's your uh, your incentive fee. And this was quite a ballsy move on his part, but when he was then initiating the program and he had the vendor and the customer in place, he went, okay, Mr. Vendor, you offered me X fee, I'd like you to discount the client's pricing based on that fee, because I don't think I should have it, it's for the customer. That's not what everybody's going to do. And I, when I heard the story, I said, wow, that's, that's, that takes some guts to say that in front of your vendor. But that's the attitude that sticks there. So I think some of that comes down to you know, the organisation you work for and their, what their drive and ambition is. But I think there's also on the other side of that, we talk about sort of infantilising the government. Clients hire consultants for certain activities and reasons. And again, I think some of it comes down to what's driving them. Are you being asked to come in and provide the answers they want you to give because they need to get board approval. And if X says Y, then therefore the board aren't going to argue. But do you actually want a consultancy coming in that wants to build a good long-term partnership with you and is going to tell you honest truths and maybe you don't want to hear some of those things and not everybody wants that? So it's quite a fine line for consultancies, I think. One thing I would say, you mentioned earlier with something I completely and utterly agree with, which is too often the industry goes too ambitious, too big, tries to change too much and by breaking it into smaller bits. Would I be unfair if I said that I think the consultants are part of that problem? You're forever reading 
someone spending millions on a digital transformation, you know, whatever that might be. And it, it always feels like a very big project. Do consultants promote that type of big project activity, do you think? Some of the people who know me will know this, but I hate the word digital transformation. I think it's a nice, easy, big catch-all for the boards and the con- some consultants say, yeah, we're going to digital transformation. It's one of those buckets that captures everything. So to, to come back to what drives consultancies, some organisations, I think that's where I sit and CGI sits, we're problem solvers. We build stuff. We want to solve a problem. And that's the way I work with my team and we drive it or want to know what that question is. I think some organisations are looking to sell you prepackaged solutions. That might be the right answer. And some are driven by bums on seats. That's their model. And again, I think as a buyer of those services, you've got to be quite mindful of what it is you're looking for and what you want. And if you use the word digital transformation, you're probably going to run into a problem because it doesn't really tell you what you need. I think it's on the onus of the client, the buyer as well, to think about what it is they want. Are they buying someone in that's just going to give them the answer they need to get through the board and tick the box and say, yes, X has said why we can move forward? Or do you want someone that's going to sit there and challenge you a bit and actually give you the answer that you really need? Because I've worked with 20 other organisations and I've seen it go wrong before. So I'm giving you some guidance. It's good to do that theme because we spent far too much time talking about what's wrong and what needs to be fixed and the sort of people that we need to work with to fix it. How do we, do you think we get fundamentally better at this? Firstly, don't use the expression digital transformation, but there are probably other things as well. I think we get drawn into an assurance role of spending lots of time analysing the problem first and hypothesising what good will look like in a year's time. And that's really quite hard to do. So let's spend six months analysing the operating model today and how it's going to look in the future. I actually really believe in more practice, less theory. Let's go small, go fast, get the tools in the hands of the people, learn and adapt and particularly listen. That's really important. Too often, I think we believe we already know the answer. We're not really going to listen to the people that use it. And here's what it looks like. That feedback loop is really important. And it's actually minor plug on my side here. But you know, the whole approach we've taken, thinking about the underwriting experience and the workbench that we've been building out and we've got available now is, How do you get that into the hands of people fast? I don't think you can solve everything everywhere all at once, particularly with underwriters. They've they've been doing things in a certain way and they're human and they adapt themselves around what they do. They're very innovative, but let's not try and move them into a completely different way of working up front. Let's work with them to adapt, do it small, do it fast and move it quickly and listen and feedback. I don't think I've ever finished reading a business requirements document in my whole life, but don't tell anybody broadcasting live to lots of people what's the one thing you would want everybody listening into this to kind of take away so i'm probably going to stay with the philosophical view of the world but i'd say ask why and keep it human so i think a lot of the problems we run into is one we don't really know why we're necessarily doing things we haven't asked enough questions as to why and the other bit i think is that we forget the human side of why we are then doing those things I think what I've liked about, particularly when I've been listening to more and more of the sort of the insurtech market, is they are actually using that language now, but we are still getting it wrong. So if you take ChatGPT, obviously you know lots of noise about that, but we've already immediately jumped straight into let's remove the human, let's just do what we do today, but do it better, but automate it. What we haven't really asked is, well, what are we trying to change here? And again, Tom Goodwin covers a lot of this in the book, really, in terms of. Let's think about how we can make the human experience better using the technology rather than let's do what we do today, but just do it faster and better. Self-driving cars are a similar example to that. The, the whole view is, well, we'll get rid of people. But actually, people like driving. 
they enjoy it. So can we actually use the technology to build the uncrashable car? I think is probably a, a more realistic bit. If we try and automate the wrong things and forget about the people, we'll get it wrong. So I sort of bring it all the way back to that. People like to move and dance. So it might seem a bit flowery and poetic, but I think we need to keep that in mind when we're understanding how we're going to get change. How do you motivate an individual? How do you make their life better? I don't think we have enough poetic on our Instech broadcast. I mean, you've given me lots of ideas. Disco, poetry competition. We could do all kinds of things here that we've missed Look, thank you for joining me. Do you know what? We ran half an hour there and we very nearly didn't mention ChatGPT and then suddenly you had to throw it in right near the end. So we've fallen into the trap. Good of you to join me and I've always enjoyed working with CGI and the support that you give to our community. Thank you very much again. It's been great to talk, Robin. Thanks very much. Well, Rob and I are over in New York this coming week, so maybe we'll see you there. Beyond that, we have a packed schedule of events, reports, and other things going on over the next few months as well. All you need to know is on the website, including how to become a member of Instec, www.instec.co, or contact us, hello, at instec.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>